Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to talk about wheat and give you some tips on getting higher yields and more productivity out of each acre. That's really the name of the game here. We want to try and get the best return on our investment in any crop. And wheat is one that does respond to a lot of different things. So we talk about a lot of different terms, intensive management and uh, I don't know, you can call it whatever you want. I just want to look at everything that I do in every field and say, okay, is this going to make me money or not? Is this a good thing for my crop? Is it a good thing for my land? And when you find yes to all those answers, that's when we move forward couple of things that are a little bit different than we talk corn and soybeans much more here on the show than we do wheat. So the first thing is when you look at how many dollars are poured into the research and development and quite frankly, the traits with corn and soybeans, there in our opinion has been more advancement with varieties than what we see in wheat. So part of that means we are going to have to be more selective on herbicides because we don't have some of these options like Roundup or Liberty. The other thing is diseases. So in corn and soybeans, breeders for years have worked, I mean, and again, I'm not saying the wheat breeders are doing a bad job or anything else. Please don't misunderstand. I'm just simply saying billions more dollars are poured into corn and soybean genetics than into wheat. It's just the way it is. So the wheat varieties don't seem to have the same disease tolerance that we see in some of the corn and soybean varieties. And honestly, the environment that we place wheat in, when you look at how tight those rows are and how early the crop grows in the spring, that just means we're going to trap a lot of moisture in there. It's going to be very humid in that dense wheat canopy. So it's really hard for the variety to overcome that and have this fantastic disease control without the use of seed treatments and foliar fungicides. So we often talk about three shots of foliar fungicides. That's almost standard in wheat. Well, in corn or soybeans, the only people doing three shots of fungicide foliar are those going for ridiculously high yields or those who have just absolute disaster disease problems. So anyway, many, many different things when it comes to wheat versus corn and soybeans. We're going to talk about a lot of those today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, first question, uh, this is about sodium and soluble salts. This comes from John over in southern Minnesota. He said, guys, I've been applying cattle manure for many years, and I've heard you mention on previous shows, watch out for high sodium and high soluble salt levels. Yes. Well, we're using uh, liquid manure uh, from steers, nothing, if that matters. He said, our manure sample shows a level of 8.96 pounds per 1,000 gallons. We normally put Wait, of what? Uh, 8.96 of what? Uh, just a second. Well, we know. I'm guessing sodium by what's coming up in the question. So we normally put on five to six thousand gallons per acre. And our okay. soil samples show on a Malik test uh, we've got 1.9 percent base saturation sodium, and our soluble salts are at 0.8. So wondering uh, what is what is a level you'd shoot for there? Do you think any of those things are too high? Okay, soluble salts. Well, both sodium and soluble salts less than one. So your salts, fine. Oh, sodium, 1.9. Yeah, 
I know. And soluble salts. Oh, oh, so that's eight. what you're saying, to yeah. shoot for. Gotcha. Shoot for less than one on both of those. Okay, so on the sodium, right now you're at 1.9%. Is that dramatically hurting your crop yield? No, it's not. Could it be just slightly hurting your crop yield? Yeah, it's possible. So I, I just say we want to be careful with that moving forward, and we want to see, okay, what's happening with the trend? If that continues to go up, then I'm, I'm starting to get concerned. So what we usually talk about in terms of alleviating sodium issues in the field are, number one, having good drainage, and number two, just turning that sodium into a salt. So your salt levels are fine right now. Well, with sodium, it, it by itself is not just going to flush through the ground. We've got to turn it into a salt. The way you typically do that is by combining it with sulfate. So that's why a lot of people talk about gypsum, ammonium sulfate, or there are other forms of sulfur that can become sulfate, bind with the sodium, turn it into a salt, and flush it out of the ground. But again, you got to have good drainage. Then you got to turn it into a salt, and then you've got to have either irrigation or halfway decent rainfall so like on our farm for example prior to uh the last month here <laughs> we'd had drought for two and a half years so even if we would have turned sodium into a salt on half normal rainfall for two and a half years it probably wasn't going to flush out very well so I'm just saying you got to have all three of those things. But yeah, you're not at a you're not a real problem spot right now. But let's let's continue to monitor that. We just don't want it to get any worse than that 1.9 percent base saturation sodium where you're at today. Hey, thanks for the question. I got this one from Gary, and he said, "Guys, I've been listening to your show. I'm learning a lot, and and certainly interested in soil testing. Just curious." Are the, is the technology there for affordable analytical field probes, let's call them, that could provide at least N, P, and K data? I realize it wouldn't be a substitute for a total soil test, but just kind of curious, uh, do you think any of the ones on the market today are good enough that a guy could use them at least uh, to do some base testing? I don't really know. We haven't really looked at those yet, so I, I'm I'm not real sure. Part of the reason why we haven't, number one, we're skeptical. I'm I'm almost always skeptical of new stuff. That's why we try it for a while and test it out and see before we just go whole hog. But the other side of it is when you say just NP and K, I'll be honest, it doesn't it doesn't really excite me. Because there's so many other things that we want to look at on the soil test. Now, if you say, okay, well, once every four years, I am going to look at everything else in the soil test. Okay, well, that's that's not terrible. And then at least during the in-between years, so let's say we did this, this kind of testing every single year, and then once every four years, we did a complete analysis. I wouldn't have a real big problem with that if the things are accurate and that I just, I don't know. We haven't done comparisons, haven't done the research, so I'm not real sure. Yep, you just have to do some testing on your own and send a soil sample in from that exact same spot and do some comparison yep. to see how consistent the results are. That's what right. I like about the soil samples from reputable labs. Very consistent data. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excaldia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excaldia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excaldia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. How can you make the most profit ever on your soybean crop? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD soybean agronomy workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio talking about wheat and how to get higher yields and a more successful crop. Our phone lines are open throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD if you'd like to join the discussion or if you just have an agronomic question that pertains to your farm. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. All right, instead of the phone lines here, got Jenna Stonehawker with us right now with Sound Ag. How are you doing, Jenna? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. You know, we talk a lot about corn. It seems like that one gets the most attention for, oh man, we got to try and get higher yields in corn. But wow, wheat is a really responsive crop. There are a lot of things that can be done. And and honestly, there's a lot of fantastic farmers raising wheat that have some tricks up their sleeve and, and know how to influence yield and protein and some of the different qualities. What are some of the things that, that you could tell us about wheat if, if a farmer was saying, hey, I really want to try and get higher yields this year? Absolutely. So sometimes wheat can kind of be seen as, as a lesser crop from some of your main row crops like corn or soybeans, but um, it definitely has some high potential if, if we manage it properly. So a few of the things that I kind of like to look at when, when talking about improving yields um, is seed genetics and varieties. Um, a lot of the newer varieties or certified seed genetics um, can help to reduce the impact of diseases, provide some higher germination rates, and improve winter hardiness. Um, I also like to look at seed treatments or disease control, whether that's fungicide, um, kind of for your for your post-application disease control, or seed treatment to kind of help protect against soil-borne pathogens and insect pests as it's trying to get up and get growing. Um, those are two two big factors that I think um, sometimes can kind of be forgotten as we look at, at wheat. You know, getting a great start, I think, is super important. And, and Brian and I grew up, we had a cow-calf operation and a farrow-to-finish hog operation. And to me, I just saw the same things when we were, we were raising livestock. If we could get those animals off to a great start, 
they were able to tolerate stress a lot better. And on wheat, it's going to have some stress, whether it's winter wheat and you've got that, that tough winter to deal with, or you're putting it out in the spring and you're planting it early and you probably got some, some cold weather that's going to come, maybe even some snow, who knows. You're, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of things, uh, whether it's uh, disease or insects or other, that you got to have some protection. Absolutely. And I think um, down here in Kansas, where I'm from, we kind of deal with a lot more winter wheat than spring wheat, but I know looking at kind of fertility management, those fall growing tillers are are shown in studies to produce more yield than your spring tillers. And so making sure that that crop has what it needs as it's getting going with the fertility, um, it, I think is really valuable to make sure that, that that crop has the best potential possible to, to give you some higher yield. That, that's interesting. And, and I think about the winter survivability, all the things that growers will do uh, to improve that. And then uh, I know there are some areas where guys say, you know, I'm just going to see what I've got in the spring. And uh, I don't know, it, it's hard to put the money out there and and uh, have it all at risk. But by the same token, if you don't make some investments in the fall, you're almost guaranteeing that you're going to fail. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you're not putting that, that fertilizer out or, or you know, those, those early season inputs, um, you can you can really hurt your yield in the end by by waiting to see kind of what you've got there in the spring. So I completely understand because you know we're all here to to make sure that these farmers are are making money. But if you don't throw some stuff out there in the fall to kind of help help get that crop the potential it needs as it's setting those those determinations for yield, you can really kind of damage that. Yeah, this is a great way to start our discussion on higher yielding wheat, getting off to a great start, having good vigor, and uh, being able to tolerate some of those stresses, certainly a real key. We're talking with Jenna Stonehawker here with Sound Ag. Jenna, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Let's head out west. We've got Kirk Sager on with us right now with FMC up in the Pacific Northwest. How are you doing, Kirk? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on today. You know, Jenna focused there on, on seed genetics, varieties, seed treatments, those kind of things, super important. Uh, I know one thing we've talked to you about in the past, too, has just been getting excellent weed control. And for a lot of growers, it's been, well, let's just plant the wheat, see what comes up, and we'll address it later. But these pre's really offer some value, too. They do, and I, I, I guess we've talked about this before, and, and that residual herbicide that weed control, some of the things you've seen in corn as far as how the weed control impacts yield are really starting to show up in the wheat as we expand the footprint for Anthem Flex. Um, and just getting them out ahead of your post material. Um, I had some trials this year where waiting longer for your post application costs you three inches of moisture. Um, that's bushels. That's 20 bushels of the acre by not taking advantage of your residual herbicide. So um, I think that's, that's good control or that is a good message for growers. And I think more growers are seeing that as they use these residual herbicides. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, you, you think about all the, the weeds, insects, diseases that that, that crop is going to fight, and staying ahead of the game on that is important. I really struggle with this, Kirk. And as I was growing up and my dad was in the ag chem industry and, and we'd talk about stuff, and I'd say I don't understand talking about thresholds dad it just makes so much more sense to me to do something preventative before we've we've lost before our crop has had to suffer so that part makes sense a lot well and i think it goes i mean what janet covered on on genetics and variety selection goes with whether it's your herbicide your fertility or your your fungicide selection 
all of those need to be out there preemptively, not after you've had a mess. You know, and you mentioned the fungicide. I think one thing that growers don't understand is just when we talk about movement within the plant and within the leaf, it's not that much. you got to be out ahead and have some fungicide on the leaves that you want protected. Uh, and that's not just the flag leaf. Early season, we're seeing some benefit, too, in a lot of areas. Oh, we are. And with, when we look at our, our Top Guard fungicide portfolio, whether it's Top Guard, Top Guard, EQ, or Lucento, that flutriopol molecule does move up through all of the leaves and does maintain some impact in the, the emerging leaves. So it's a great selection um, as a product line. And I think you're right. We have to focus on some of those younger leaves um, and that herbicide timing. But it goes back to we need to, to make a better choice. We need to educate ourselves on a variety selection. What's their rust and powdery mildew uh, rating? And, and, and making a selection based on those fits and what your real, your real needs in the field are. Yeah, that's that's a great point, and and I know we we say the same thing for for farmers planting other crops too. There's a lot of this information you can gather before you ever put seed in the ground, before you ever make those selections that can make management a lot easier for you. And you know what? You look at wheat. If we don't make those choices right, you, you say, well, that's fine. I've got multiple fungicides I'm going to put out there anyway. You can stay ahead of a lot of that stuff, but but it sure helps to have a tolerant crop. It does, and, and it also impacts your choice. You look at some of the, the, the older triazole fungicides, they can have an impact on these early season growth patterns because they are a growth regulator. You know, and that's why you've seen some of these SDHIs, like we have in Lucento, become a better impact as these rust ratings and powdery mildew ratings go up in these crops. Yeah, you mentioned that that difference in chemistry, and I know as I've gotten a chance to travel into some other countries too, they they're looking at different modes of action, just like we are here. Of uh, what can add some value, what can help me fight against resistance, and those types of things. And these SDHIs for growers in North America are are fairly new to them. Uh, talk to us about what what that SDHI chemistry brings. That's just a little bit different. So, as you said, it's a different mode of action uh, impacting the rust. It also brings some of the powdery mildew and uh, some of the other uh, blotch diseases. We pick up a little bit different spectrum that we may not have been treating for and may have been at sublethal levels. But it's also bringing that, that extra mode of action to rust that has helped not putting all the pressure on the triazole that's in the tank. Um, we've seen that we've burned out the, the strobularines in a lot of areas. So... With that, we're trying to put a premix to take the pressure off the solo AIs. Yeah, that is super important. And uh, we're talking with Kirk Sager here up in the Pacific Northwest, but what he's saying is not just for that particular area. It's everywhere that wheat is grown. Uh, Kirk, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on once again. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a good day. Bet you as well. Talking about improving wheat production, making making life a little bit easier. And it's kind of good to have, as you can tell here with what Kirk was saying, it's good to have a plan going into this. When are we going to do certain things? And we'll talk about that as, as we move along here with fungicides, but also other things that you're doing out in that crop. Our phone lines will also be open if you have agronomic questions on wheat or any other crop. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, January 26th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, and the ways to make your crop more resistant to stress like drought and disease. We'll be covering all of this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about wheat and things you can do to improve yield and honestly make growing wheat even more fun. Got Curtis Rainbolt with us right now with BASF. Curtis, how are you doing today? I'm doing real well. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I want to start off talking a little bit about wireworms. And this is something I've gotten a lot of feedback from growers in Montana and other areas saying, you know what's making my life miserable? Wireworms. Talk to us, Curtis. I know you got a new technology out that has been out for a little bit now. Growers are starting to get a real good feel for it, and it's really gaining some traction. Yeah, you're right. You know, wireworms really can present a lot of a challenge. You know, wheat's probably one of the most flexible crops I work with. It can adapt 
to a lot of situations, you know, if you've got moisture and, and fertility, you know, it'll add tillers or, you know, but it, you can't compensate for a stand that that's been um, thinned out early on. And then sometimes wireworms will cause tiller loss too, depending on, you know, when, how moist the soil is and, and what the temperatures are and when they're feeding. So we've been doing a lot of work the last few years um, in the development of Traxa and it's been out in the market a couple of years now and, and really had some great response to it. Um, our seed treatments, our insecticides, we're doing an okay job of, of repelling wireworms, um, you know, mitigating some of the damage, but under heavy pressure, uh, we would still see some damage and some yield drag from those. So Traxa, uh, active ingredient where flannelite is, is, is a new mode of action and it actually controls the wireworms. So we're getting mortality and knocking that population down. And uh, in cases where wireworms are a problem, we've really seen some nice yield responses to it. Yeah, what a what a big difference that can make, uh, having a seed treatment that actually kills the wireworms. That's kind of a nice thing. Uh, speaking about seed treatments, I know it's been a lot of improvements and advancements in fungicides, and some of the, the great active ingredients out there now are, are getting used, some of the premium active ingredients. Talk to us a little bit about how that's changed. Yeah, you know, we keep looking um, as we're developing fungicides, you know, whether it's for, for foliar uses or, or any use, and we always look to see what the, the ability to put them on the seed is. And it's really a great way to start to crop off because um, it's just not practical, you know, to get out there a lot of times and spray that early. So we can get that crop off to a good start. And, uh, you know, our flagship brand for us at BSF, our premium seed treatment would be Taraxa F4. Um, so that's uh, the Taraxa molecule for wireworms. Um, as, as well as four fungicide active ingredients. And we've seen some really good um, history there, but you know, one of our newer active ingredients is called Relenia, uh, and that's an active ingredient uh, corn growers or other and people in other crops might know as the Revisol technology. That's in things like Veltima and Revitec. It's the same active ingredient, uh, but a seed treatment use, and, and we've really seen um, some nice things with it. We started off you know, worried about dwarf bond control and winter wheat, and, and we cleared that bar and saw we had good control, but the more we work with it, we just realize there's a real benefit on things like cesarium and rhizoctonia, which I don't know if everybody recognizes how much that's in a lot of our fields, but it, it certainly can have a, uh, you know, cause a little bit slower emergence or reduced emergence um, in, in our wheat fields. Well, you mentioned the the disease, and I, I talk to farmers all the time. Oh, no, I'm raising wheat. We're, we're dry here. We don't have to worry about disease. That's not exactly right. Yes, you, you do have certain diseases that like wet soils and cool weather. I'll give you that. But but whether you're cool or warm, if you've got dry soils, you still have disease issues. What, what are some of the ones that, for the guys who say, oh, I'm too dry, I don't get disease, I, I think they're wrong, what are some they should be watching out for? Well, the two I mentioned, really, you know, Rhizoc and Fusarium, Rhizoctonia, is, you know, we throw that term around, but that's a really uh, broad or large group of pathogens. Um, and there are some of those that are very much adapted to these drier cereal rotations. And so you may not think that you have a lot of Rhizoctonia because it's not maybe, you know, typical higher, higher uh, yielding irrigated crops, but there's a reasonable chance you do. And, um, you know, if, if you haven't been using more of a broad spectrum fungicide, I think, you know, you probably should take a look just because um, as you round those out to, to multiple modes of action, um, you know, you're going to see better control. 
Yeah, big, big differences now with some of these new products. And for anyone who isn't using a seed treatment on a regular basis, uh, I, I strongly encourage you to take a look at that this year. Like we mentioned the new Taraxa for wireworm control, the best thing that we've seen on wireworms. Uh, that's been fantastic. Uh, and then you just use multiple modes of action here with the fungicides. Makes a big difference. And now some of these premium ingredients like uh, Curtis mentioned, uh, Relenia or the Revisol uh, active. Man, that's that's pretty exciting to have that in a seed treatment too. Uh, Curtis Rainbolt here with BASF. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet. I got TJ Benz on right now with Syngenta, and and I know when I started talking about disease control, TJ, you were probably thinking, oh, man, he's going to steal my thunder and talk Fusarium Headblight. No, no, no. I saved it for you, TJ. So so you could certainly talk about that or anything else you'd like to talk about raising high-yielding wheat. Gee, thanks. Yeah, well, you know, that's one of the things when I sit there and think about it. We spend a lot of time getting to that point, but whenever we get to that Fusarium timing, everybody's like, ah, I've already got enough money into it. But really what we're trying to do at that point in time is – just trying to maintain it, get it in the bin, and keep the quality up at that point. So, TJ, this is Brian, and I, I guess my question for you was, what have you seen out of, like, Mervis Ace here in the last few years? Because the stuff I've seen, it's looked pretty good in terms yeah, of Yeah, I mean, if yeah, if you're looking at the, the replicated data and things like that, what we're seeing is, an, on average, about 11.8 bushel over and untreated. So, you know, you start putting that in the economic side of it, and it looks really, really good. And the great thing about that is it gives you a pretty wide window of application. So basically from 50% head emergence all the way through bloom to be able to protect that plant. In terms of with Maravis Ace and having that extra active ingredient in there, the SDHI family, uh, what have you Mm -hmm. seen with that compared to the triazoles that have been on the market? Well, it just opens up that spectrum of coverage for us. You know, triazoles are okay. And, and really, you know, for a long time, that was the best that we could do. But it's going to be more efficient and more efficacious on keeping the disease down. You know, it just works a little bit better than what we were doing before. And, you know, when we're looking at Mirabus Ace, we're combining it with a triazole with the tilt that's in there, too. How about timing? Because that's been a big concern for a lot of people. They're like, man, if I'm supposed to get this timing right, I only have like a day to spray. (laughs) So talk to us (laughs) about the timing with it. Yeah, and I think that's why that's part of the reason. You know, that's part of the complex we're looking at where this time with the timing with Miramis Ace has opened up wider than what we're looking at with just a straight triazole. Like I said before, we can go as early as 50% head emergence all the way through bloom. Now, ideal, I mean, there's always a a window, and then there is the most ideal time, right? So the most ideal time is going to be at mid-bloom still. But the great thing about that is is you can look at your weather forecast and go, okay, I'm going to be blooming in about five days. My weather is not going to let me apply it in those five days, right? If we've got rain or something coming in, we can go in ahead of it and still get a benefit uh, by having it there to protect that plant from getting that infection. What else do you suggest in terms of getting the most out of a treatment at that point? What else should a farmer pay attention to? Well, so the thing is, is, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, in my mind, we probably should have all of our fertility and everything else pretty much done by that point. Now, the thing is, is, you know, have you done the right steps leading up to that? Is has there been, you know, like in my area, we always have to think about uh, stripe rust. We have to think about leaf rust. 
So we have to make those steps prior to this fusarium headwide application most of the time because we can't have rust in there before that. So it's getting all those steps in there and thinking about it up to that point in time. Do you have a big problem if somebody wants to throw in a little 28% to try to boost their protein at the last minute? So I really don't get too excited about a little bit of 28% at that point in time. Now, if you're wanting to look at a foliar type that's low salt, I feel a little bit more comfortable about that in my mind just sure. because we are getting a little bit better fertility behind that rather than just, you know, our three pounds of nitrogen we're getting with our 28%. We've been talking with TJ Benz here with Syngenta. TJ, thanks a lot for the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You bet. Yeah, that... <laughs> that last shot, that is the one, uh, like we were talking about, that it's sometimes hard to pull the trigger when you've spent all that other money and you're like, I don't know. Is it really going to be worth it? But that's the problem with fungicides. We don't know for sure until well after we've sprayed. And a lot of times with these wheat varieties, they're just susceptible to a lot of diseases late in the year, whether it's rust, fusarium, head blight, you name it. So anyway, Mervis Ace, pretty good product. Stay tuned. We'll talk more wheat right after this. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. How can you make the most profit ever on your soybean crop? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. You put everything you've got into securing the next generation of your farm. So why not take it a step further? Commodity Classic is America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused, educational, and agricultural experience, where you'll find thought-provoking education, a huge trade show with the latest ag technology, and networking with thousands of farmers who are preparing for the next generation just like you. Join us in Orlando March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at CommodityClassic.com. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD for your agronomic questions. Our topic today is getting higher yields in wheat, and we've talked a lot about uh, in-crop management. We haven't talked about actually getting the seed in the ground correctly yet. Got Trent Noasad on with us right now with Case IH to talk a little bit about that and more. Trent, how you doing? Oh, not too bad today. How are you guys? Pretty good, pretty good. All right, so talk to us a little bit about seeding or drilling and, and uh, equipment things that are out there and, and other considerations growers should have as they, they get ready for this next season. Yeah, so one thing that I always like to approach for a higher-yielding wheat crop is to look at the things that you have control over. And one of the big things that a grower has control over is the stand establishment. And I guess one area where you should grower should start especially given the time of year we're at right now is to make sure that his seeding equipment is is properly maintained uh so that all the componentry is cutting to the right depth uh just those kind of things that can ensure that you get the best stand possible which puts that crop off to a head start which is really a large chunk of of having a wheat crop that is yielding quite high and being quite profitable so that's one of the, the first things uh, a grower can look at doing, or one of the more important things a grower should look at doing, is making sure that his uh, chosen seeding implement is, is up to par, up to snuff, uh, that it's maintained, that it's lubricated, and that wear points are changed. Now, another thing a grower... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Trent, you know, that's been one of the challenges here the last couple of years with some supply issues and so forth. And I think one of the positives that's come out of all this has been growers are, are starting to plan ahead a little better. And a lot of a lot of farmers I talk to now, right at the end of the season, they, they're like, well, I know I got to replace this and that, and I'm just going to go ahead and get stuff ordered. What are, what are supply issues like right now? Are, are things getting a little bit better? Are you noticing a difference in, in how your customers are uh, ordering on the earlier side as well? Well, things are getting better. Uh, is it overly noticeable? Probably not quite yet. Uh, I don't think we're out of the water in terms of, of supply issues. Uh, but there's definitely been an increase in, in grower interest in securing product, particularly new product, uh, for their for their needs on the farm. And you know that that's another aspect that you know for a high yielded crop that a grower might want to take a look at. Uh, given as we head into the season here, he might not be able to get one for the upcoming spring season, maybe for the fall season of use. Uh, is a new drill. Uh, I mean, the newer technology, especially the stuff that we offer from Case RH, our newer precision disc drills, our new 550 series that we released last year provide a number of enhancements that uh, not only make it uh, easier and uh, more accurate to maintain or establish that crop for grower, giving them ultimate control over, over getting that high yield, 
over getting an accurate stand. Uh, so we are seeing growers uh, look in that direction and, and order earlier rather than later and be very proactive on, on getting the, the tools they need to do the job they have to do on the farm. For sure, yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's it's a good thing, and hopefully that that continues going forward. That uh, even as uh, supplies get get uh, amazing once again, uh, we we still have growers planning ahead and and doing things right. Uh, when it comes to that soil prep, when it comes to uh, dealing with residue, those types of things, anything new we need to think about there, or just some reminders going into the spring. Well, a couple of reminders, I guess. I, I mentioned off the stars, proper maintenance. I mean, if you're running into high residue conditions with a no-till drill, you definitely want to make sure that your componentry is all relatively new and sharp and that the tolerances are in spec um, and those sort of things. Uh, as I said before, we launched a new series of air drills last year, the Precision Disc 550Ts. We've provided a number of enhancements on those drills to deal with tougher conditions uh, like higher residue uh, in no-till conditions. Uh, one of the major enhancements we added to the new 50 series row unit is the ability to easily adjust the closing angle to ensure that we get positive sealing of that trench uh, and proper seed to soil contact to ensure an accurate and uniform plant stand. Yeah, lots of things to think about here if you want to have high yields in wheat and certainly managing how you get that crop in the ground is is the first step to the whole process. I've been talking with Trent Noasad here with Case IH. Trent, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you guys for the opportunity. You bet. Yeah, lots of things there with wheat, and and I know, Brian, we've talked about being proactive on everything from from weed control to to getting your equipment ready. Uh, that that's really the key with all these crops. If you want to be successful, you got to have a plan, and you got to be timely with what you're doing. I know your discussion there on the head scab fungicide application of man, I might just have one day here that seems to be the right time. Some of these things are a little bit tricky. That's why we talk about man, if you plan ahead and do things on the early side as much as you can, uh, that that can really set you up for success. And that's where having some of the newer technology that gives you a little more time to do stuff is a good is is something real good to look at. I, I guess I would be remiss if we talk about any crop and being successful and not just mentioning as always fertility and drainage the absolute importance there and i get it that a lot of wheat is raised in areas where there isn't a lot of rainfall even so you might still need spots of drain tile to get some things fixed the other thing with fertility i'd really encourage you at least one time go to small grids go to one acre grids and you might say i can't afford it too much work whatever just try it on one field it doesn't that doesn't cost much and that doesn't take that much work and then you'll see exactly what i'm talking about we've been able to identify variability like well what we didn't realize was there on just hundreds of farms for people that we work with and I'm just throwing it out to everybody out there. I mean, do some really small grids or zones. I don't care. But it's got to be small, like one acre. And then just see what you have for variability. Then over time, you can even those grids or zones out. And then you can go back to much bigger zones or grids and have fewer samples that you need to take. With wheat, it doesn't require the same fertility that corn or soybeans is going to. So you just have to look at, hey, what do I need? What's the timing? All that kind of thing. 
And I would say the probably the, the number one talk we're always having with people about fertility with wheat is nitrogen. And a lot of people want to put stuff on later, and I get that, and that's great. In a lot of cases, it's not great in all cases. If you have really heavy soil and you're very dry, then split applying your nitrogen might not make sense. And I realize everybody's talking about, oh, you have to split apply. No, no, you don't. Not if you have very little moisture and you have really heavy soil. The reason why you would not want to split apply would be if your soil can hold all your nitrogen and if you're worried that, hey, later on I'm not going to get enough rain to get the nitrogen into the ground and get it into the plant, well, those would be reasons why you might want to put everything out early. So I, I'm, I'm not saying that's the way for everybody, but I am saying coming off two and a half years of drought on our own farm, we had to think a little differently because it changes things when you don't get rain but once a month. So anyway, just, just kind of keep that in mind. All right, let's get back to the egg PhD mailbag. All right, first one here comes from, from John, and John says, Hey, guys, I read an article about scientists who experimented with a software program to design medicine molecules. It's also being used to find cures to various diseases. Uh, it's also being used to make chemical weapons, which is kind of the dark side of that technology. But I got thinking about this. Uh, it would make a lot of sense to use software like this to create molecules for herbicides that could kill things like water hemp that we're struggling with. Just curious with all your connections, do you guys know of anyone in the ag industry using similar AI technology to create herbicides? Uh, not real sure on that, but honestly, I haven't specifically asked each one of the big chem developers. I, I will tell you too, though, that there are, uh, there are many of these chemistries that get used and sold all around the world and even bought by many of the big companies that are developed by very small companies. There are, there have been a lot of them that have come out of Japan, for example, like even the original glyphosate from what I was told. That originally started in Japan. So there are development companies out there that are very small, and believe me, they're trying to do everything they can to get ahead. So I'm assuming they're looking at those things, but yeah, I don't know for sure. All right, thanks for the question. We'll go back to more questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Cold weather draining your batteries? Nothing delivers peace of mind like a quality battery charger from CNB. Going on now? Buy three batteries and get the charger on sale. Learn more or shop online at DeerEquipment.com. CNB, your local John Deere dealer of choice. Offer runs until May 2023. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? 
Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, January 26th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, and the ways to make your crop more resistant to stress like drought and disease. We'll be covering all of this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open today. If you have an agronomic question, it's 844-442-4743. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Got some interesting thoughts here. This is from Robert, Brian, talking about uh, making Roundup work better. Uh, Robert said, hey, a couple other things you guys were talking about this the other day. And he goes, we, we've had good results with Roundup using surfactant with it. Just curious your thoughts on that. Uh, a couple other things. Water pH. We, we found a neutral pH to be better. Also, uh, temperature, air temperature when we're spraying. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's comment one on one thing at a time. Okay, so what was the first thing? All right, first thing, surfactant. Using surfactant really helps. Yep. Well... The really part, I don't know. I mean, could it help you 2% to 5% more control? Absolutely. Is it going to be 50% better? I seriously here's, doubt here's it. Here's what I think. A little bit better, yeah. Here's what I think. When everything is perfect, weeds are growing well, you're spraying them uh, when they're small, no problem. Roundup works 100%. So you Wait, can say- whoa, whoa. Yeah, but spreading and sticking. Right, so the right, problem right. But, is people are going with droplet sizes that aren't, in my opinion, ideal for Roundup control. So you need a, a spreader sticker, maybe more than what the Roundup has in it. Go I ahead. will give you that, but I'll say this. What I was getting to is when conditions are not ideal, when there's no humidity, when the temperatures are extreme one way or the other, when it's been really dry for a long time and the weeds aren't really taking in the herbicide, all those kinds of things. When people are going to have trouble with Roundup, adding a surfactant or an oil at, at that time usually helps quite a bit. 
So it's not going to like cure every problem out there, but uh, it certainly seems to help. Okay, next thing he said is water pH. They've had good luck trying to neutralize that water pH. One of the things they're doing is using ammonium sulfate that, that Robert comments on. Yeah, but by neutralize, what exact pH is he talking about? And that's the thing. I don't know that that's been that he's tested that. We have seen a little bit better results when you get that pH below 7. Okay. The other thing he said that they noticed, he said, a couple of years ago, we had so many fires and the air was very smoky. And that was just a tough year all around when the plants weren't creating uh, much photosynthesis, when they weren't doing much photosynthesis. Uh, you know, I know when we have Agreed. cloudy years, right. uh, we just don't have as good a plant growth. Agreed. And, and that's going to be a, a stressful time. Definitely. So, yep. It makes good points there, Robert. No doubt about it. All right. John from Minnesota called in and said uh, just a minute ago and said that glyphosate was invented by John Franz at Monsanto in St. Louis. That's not the story that I've been told. He was not the full developer of that thing. But again, I don't, you know, there are a lot of these backstories. You don't know for sure what's true and what's not. Uh, but no, I was told that Monsanto sourced a lot of the basics from, of glyphosate from Japan back in, I don't remember if it was late 60s or early 70s, whatever it was. But anyway, so anyway, that's what I was always told. And yeah, yeah, well, it, it, it doesn't really make any difference. I guess the point is, what I was trying to make earlier is there is a lot of tech development, whether it was Roundup or not, doesn't matter, uh, a lot of tech development in a lot of countries and by a lot of little companies that you would never even dream of. But the big companies see, oh, hey, that looks interesting. And then they buy them up and then explode it from there. And I don't mean literally explode it from there. I mean sell it from there on <laughs> a big words, scale. Brian. Choice yes, of words, Choice of words. Poor choice of words. All right. So this one comes from Joseph over in Minnesota. And he said, guys, I want to talk to you just a little bit about uh, herbicides in, in small grains. So last year we struggled to control Canada thistle and water hemp. We used a full rate of wide match plus affinity tank mix. We have to go half rate to the authority tank mix because we underseed perennial ryegrass for our next year's crop, and the ALS can burn those tiny seedlings and reduce our stand. The perennial ryegrass also prevents me from being able to use a pre-emerge like Zidua in every field. I can be selective on fields with heavy water hemp pressure and skip underseeding in the spring and plant a ryegrass in the fall to use more intense chemistry. I've got Canada thistle pressure on every field, and if Canada thistle seed gets into the ryegrass, it's unsellable. So curious about what products I could look into. I was thinking about a combo of Husky and Wide Match to get three modes of action. Uh, are they effective modes on my most troublesome weeds. My concern would be the HPPD in the husky and the impact it may possibly have on your perennial ryegrass. That would be my concern there. So right away for me, I'm thinking about products that don't have all that residual. So you've been using wide match. You could always go to wide R match. That's got a 2,4-D replacement product in there. The thing is with your affinity, that's not going to help you at all on Canada thistle and it's definitely not going to help you on water hemp as most water hemp is resistant to ALS herbicides like uh, the affinity. That's the, that's the base chemistry. So... Canada thistle and water hemp. Yes, would your husky wide match combination do better? Well, of course it would. Um, but I'm just I'm concerned about the your carryover risk to hurting your perennial ryegrass. The other thing you could do is bump your rate of wide match. Or, sorry, 
stinger, you'd have to spike a little more stinger in there because I think he's already up to the maximum label rate, if I remember right, from what you said there, Darren, on the wide match. But yeah, normally that rate of wide match um, is not too bad on Canada Thistle. So if you're still having problems with it, that's why I say, you know, I, I just, I don't know what else to really tell you. Wide arm match, uh, maybe you spike in a little more straight stinger if you can, if that's on the label. Um, with water hemp, it's you're going to do a lot better job by getting that extra component in there in the wide arm match, having the 240 replacement product in there. So uh, those are some of my thoughts. Darren, did I have anything else written down there? Because Well, wide arm match is really yeah, the, the key one. When you get Canada Thistle, having some stinger in there is is certainly the way to go on that. Yeah, because I, I was prepared to answer this question on Friday, and then we got callers in, and I just I didn't get around to it. So I thought I'd jotted down a couple of things. But I, I, I don't know exactly what else to tell you there other than this. Start. In and what, what you did is it this spring wheat, winter wheat? What was this? Didn't say. Yeah. Okay. So well, either way, I would start with sharpened down. If you go two ounces of sharpened down, you're going to eliminate most of the water hemp. You're going to ding up the Canada thistle, and that's going to make all the difference in the world. So if it's me, my first thought is I'm going to do sharpen at two ounces pre, followed by wide arm match at the full rate. And I think you'll be in pretty good shape. Yep. You can also do a roundup burn down before anything comes up. Uh, if well, roundup with the sharpen. Yeah, roundup with the sharpen if you wanted to, absolutely. Okay. Uh, got a question here from Kenny in northern Ohio. And he said, guys, I got a couple of fields for you, low in P and K. Uh, the one field uh, behind the house fields going to corn. The east fields going to soybeans. I made note of that on top of them. He said, okay, so I can put on fertilizer with the planter, and I got three different ways I can do it. I can just drop it right on the seed in the furrow. I can put it on through the furrow jet, which is going to put it about three-quarters of an inch on each side of the seed, three-quarters of an inch away. Or I could do a two-by-two, two. Uh, and I've got that on both sides of the row. I, I was planning on purchasing some agro-liquid pro-germinator in the spring. I already have 1034-0 and liquid 28 on the farm. So my questions, on soybeans, are you comfortable with the furrow jet putting stuff three-quarters of an inch away from the seed, or would I need to go to the 2x2, two two, and how much pro-germinator would you be comfortable using on soybeans if I got it away from the seed? Well, yeah, it all depends on what's the rate. So I'll, let me first say, I don't like putting fertilizer on any seed ever. If I can avoid it, if I can get it just a little bit off the seed, that's better. A little safer that way. Um, and how much would I do? I'm going to put, I, you can get by with a lot more in corn than you can in soybeans. What's soybeans got to be really careful. What's the CEC on that soil oh, in northern Ohio? Um, let's see here. See if you can find it's a little different soil test than we normally see, but maybe it's on there. Uh, around 10. Okay. So, but there is one as low as 5.6. So, yeah, you have to be really careful. So, honestly, if it's me on soybeans, I'm not putting anything in that furrow at all. I'm going two by two. On corn, I'd put a little bit out there, but I, I, I always want to keep the rate pretty low. Maybe two, three, four okay, gallons, so something here's like the thing. that. On corn, his, Even plan low was, salt. his plan was to do five gallons of pro-germinator on the seed and 10 gallons of 28% in the two by two by two. And also, he was going to do 1034.0 through the furrow. Jet. So three no. different things. Uh, no, yes, and no. So I, I wouldn't go that high on Pro Germinator as low as your CEC is, and I definitely wouldn't put 1034 in the furrow if you're already putting uh, Pro Germinator in there. I'd, I'd, I'd go, let's call it 
two or three gallons of Pro Germinator in the furrow right on the seed if you want. Um, that's it. And then the rest I'd put in the 2x2x2 along with your nitrogen and your 1034 oil. All right. Thanks for the questions, Kenny. We really appreciate that. We've got workshops coming up this weekend, and that's going to be awfully fun. Wait, not this weekend. This week. This tomorrow. Week. <laughs> tomorrow. This week? Soils Clinic tomorrow. Darren and I are tired. We were at the national championship game for FCS yesterday. Go Jacks. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.